0: Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. And uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to the Kings, this is 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20 is where we're going to be, and I appreciate Miss uh, Jamie Robinson and all the decoration crew, and haven't they done a good job? And uh, and I just appreciate them, appreciate Brother Jordan, and uh, all the staff that pushed together everything, and they uh, have worked hard, and all the parents uh, last night. Uh, The teenager singing was incredible, Uh, so we're going to have a great week. I wanted to start off this uh, Sunday by coming to you out of 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 27. Coach Holland was our coach in high school, and uh, he coached me and a group of guys, and we walked from uh, eighth grade all the way to we were seniors and beyond, and he's just affectionately known as Coach. And uh, one day we were playing a team out of uh, DeSoto, uh, Texas, right over here. And uh, we were up, got up on them quick. And then all of a sudden, things just started falling apart. Uh, We were up by 20 going into the second quarter. And where we absolutely should have owned this game, it started falling completely apart. Uh, We got to halftime and coach called us. And as only coach can do. Uh, he was talking to us in the locker room, but everybody in the stands could hear him talking to us in the locker room, and uh, that didn't snap us out of anything. We came out the third quarter, and we just kept falling behind. And for whatever reason, on that day where we normally were on, we were just off. And uh, Coach called timeout, called us to the huddle, and we thought, oh, here we go again. Again. And he did something on that day that has stuck with me, not only as a player, but as a person for life. He said, look at that scoreboard. That scoreboard is not indicative of who you are. We're playing lousy, y'all. We're like getting stomped. But he made us realize that that scoreboard is not truly who you are. You're better than that scoreboard. Then he said this, don't play according to what's on the scoreboard and the time on the clock, play according to who you know you are. And I am telling you that when we stepped back on that court, it started clicking. Now I'll tell you, we didn't come back and win the game, I wish I could have that kind of story, but we walked off the court knowing who we were. And right now, can I just come to you and tell you this? The scoreboard in a lot of your lives is not indicative of who you are. And I just want to take time out this morning and let you know that the score may show you're behind, and the score may show you're running out of time, but we never run out of time because you let this life end, eternity begins, and then we awake in his likeness. And I want to come to you from a story in 1 Kings chapter 20, And the children of Israel, verse 27 is where we're at, and the children of Israel were numbered and were all present, and went against them, and the children of Israel pitched before them like two flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. And there came a man of God, and spake unto the king of Israel, and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hands, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And they pitched one over against the other seven days, and so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel slew of the Syrians and 100,000 footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek. Into the city, and there there a wall fell upon twenty and seven thousand of the men that were left. And Ben Hadad fled and came into the city and into an inner chamber. And we're going to stop the story right there. And I want you to pick up, if you would, in verse number 28. There's a phrase there the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. When we start thinking, 1 Kings 20 and verse number 28 is where I picked that phrase up from. Before I pray, let me tell you this. If we start thinking like the world thinks, then we're in trouble. The world interprets a valley with your losing. God does not interpret a valley that you're losing God interprets a valley as his opportunity to show himself strong. And there's a lot of Christians that are struggling mentally right now. Physically, you're healthy. But mentally, you're struggling. And there are people struggling in their spirit to say this. If we're on the winning side, then why am I melancholy? If we're on the winning side, why does it seem like that the shadows are getting darker. Let's talk about this today, and let's understand that when we walk out of here, may we walk out of here thinking like God thinks, not thinking like the world thinks. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, well, I can tell already as we've started this morning that we've entered into that kind of world. And God the devil and the world right now, they have truly trying to convince us God, I ask you to reach down from your word and maybe some things that are said this morning. May the good people of Emmanuel Baptist Church and the people that are watching us online, may their revival start happening in our hearts to know that you're still on your throne, you still are a mighty God, and Lord, bless us on this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Syrians had an attitude about the children of Israel one, the children of Israel were outnumbered. Two, the children of Israel in their own sight were divided. If you'll go back and if you'll look here in verse number um, verse number 27, and the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two, what, little flocks of kids. It is easy for us to think, the very last of that verse says, but the Syrians filled the country. It is easy for the chatter around us to make us think that there's more in opposition than there is in being an ally. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just not true. I reject two words, everyone and always. When somebody says everyone, that's not true. Not everyone is that way. When somebody says it will always be, that's not true either because it won't always be that way. And I want to come to you this morning and just let you know that the world and the devil has always had a perception about believers. And here it is. We are happy when we're on the hill on the mountaintop, and we are sad when we're down in the valley. And the world interprets our type of relationship with God that God is only big according to when things are going right. Our God is not only the God of the mountain. But our God is the God of the valley. You say, Pastor, I hear you. I hear. You. We're going to sit through another sermon about hills and valley, but you don't understand where I am. I don't have to understand where you're at because I know where God's at this morning and God reigns supreme upon it all. God does not dip and God does not rise according to the stock market. God reigns supreme. Now, and I've got to agree with the Syrians. He is a God of the mountains. I have to agree. God is a God of the hills. He's God when you're healthy. He's God when you're wealthy. He's God when you're successful. He's God when you're prosperous. He's God when you're winning the victories. He's God when your family's strong. He's God when you got money in the bank. He's God when all your bills are paid. He's God when your children are well-behaved. Some of you are thinking right now, he ain't been God in a long time then. <laughs> He's God when your spouse is faithful. He's God when your children are normal. He's God when you're satisfied. He's God when you're secure. He's God when you feel loved. He's God when you feel needed. He's God when, you're, when you feel in control. But the moment any of these things change, the world's looking for a change in you. Did you hear that? The moment any one of these things change, the world is looking for that change in you. Because see, the world is a slave to their present condition and the world is like, oh, it's going well, everything's good. But the moment that starts dropping is the moment their attitude pivots just like that. It should be that you and I rely. Would you go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5? It should be that we rely upon the promises found in God's word. And I'm going to give you one of those promises. Y'all, there's no reason for your attitude and your altitude spiritually to be where you're at in your life. I'm going to ask you to do something amazing. Are you ready? Ready? Here it is. Believe God. Did y'all hear that? Believe God. Believe God. Listen what he says in his word, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, Hebrews 13, 5, and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, now if your contentment is you have it all, or your contentment is you have nothing, listen, be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, Let's read the last phrase together. Ready? I will never leave thee, nor when you and I start this downward trend that sometimes happens in our life, know this. Your God is not less God because your life has become less. I know these are numb words. I know that these words are hollow words because probably you're so far under it that you're like, I hear you, pastor, but tell that to somebody who really believes. No, I'm telling you that somebody right now that you don't have the wherewithal to believe, would you just listen to me? I want to be a cheerleader for the Lord Jesus Christ tonight that yes, he's a God of the mountains, but he also is a God of the valley. He's God when you're sick. He's still God when you have nothing. He's still God when you fail. He's still God when you're in debt. He's still God when you lose. He's still God when your family's all messed up. He's still God when there's no money in the bank. He's still God when your bills are unpaid. He's still God when your children are misbehaving. He's still God when your spouse is unfaithful. He's still God when you're dissatisfied. He's still God when you're mad. He's still God when you're angry. He's still God when you slam something. God is not a slave to how you act. God is in complete control. God has not abandoned you. God has not walked away from you. And the world thinks this because they equate God with people. You see, you start losing in the world, people start walking away. That's not God. And the hardest thing to do, to tell a believer is this. Yes, God's a God of miracles. But God is just as much a God when you are in the valley. And I can understand why the world thinks this way. Want to know why? Because their God is this way. Little G God. I want you to go to John, the book of John, if you will, in verse number 10. The book of John, verse number 10. I want you to notice what he says here about other gods. In the book of John, chapter 10, and look at verse number 7. In John, chapter 10, in verse number 7. Some of you are just trying to exist. I, I, I don't know all that's going on in your world. But boys, I've been praying this week, and I've just been like, Lord, what are you trying to do? What is going on? I can feel as I pray for the members of Emmanuel Baptist Church that right now, what is going on in my world? Let me tell you what's going on in your world. You are in a valley, but don't separate where you're at from the God who saved you. Please don't divorce the two and believe God's word. And when you and I get into a valley, you better thank God that we've got this kind of God. Look at John chapter 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again. (laughs) Did you hear that? Then said Jesus unto them what? Again. Again. If you were with Jesus Christ, he would look at you and go, I need to tell you something again. Look at it. I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Verse 9, by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. Look at verse number 10. The thief cometh not but for to what? Steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have what, please? Life. And that they might have it more what? Abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And what we think is, we think that when everything's going well and everything's going good, that God cares. But boy you let that first thing happens that make you take a step down. God doesn't care. Take another step down. God doesn't care. You take another step down. God doesn't care. And then you take a step up. Oh, God cares. Take a step down. Oh, God doesn't care. And people live this emotional, spiritual, mental roller coaster. That's like, I'm up here. God cares. I'm down here. Oh, God doesn't care. Oh, God doesn't care. Maybe I've done something bad. Then we start playing these blame games in our head. And then that just takes us to a darker place. I'm here to tell you right now that your God is the shepherd of your soul, and the shepherd of your soul wants you to know he is, he does not feel about you right now where you're at right now. It's not how he feels. Go to Psalms chapter 23. He talked about a shepherd here. And when you look at this valley, I can't think of a better text to turn to than Psalms chapter 23. And in Psalms chapter 23, it says this and you know the verse, and we're going to read it together out loud. Psalms chapter 23. it says this. Ready? 23, verse number four, let's read it together out loud. Ready, begin. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they... Let's read it again together. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy and thy. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. After I get done preaching this sermon, and, and, and if you decide I don't want anything to do with what you just said, then that was your choice, not God's choice. That's your choice. But boy, I'm praying. I'm praying that people sitting here right now, that you're just staring through life. You have a daze going on about you. It's the white elephant in the middle of the room of your life. And you're sitting here going, anybody care? Anybody see? I don't have to see. I don't even have to care. But you have one that does see, and you have one that does care, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know what I'm talking about? How many can feel it right now in life? Is it going to get any better? Why have we tied God to the gas prices? Why have we tied God to this possible recession that's going to take place? Don't you think God's been through worse famines? You look on the news and all of a sudden, there's a food shortage coming? Oh, good night. What am I going to eat? My Twinkies are going to be gone. My little Debbie snakes are okay, snakes <laughs> are going to be gone. Oh, good night. We won't be able to go on vacation this year. Oh, good night. We won't be able to afford that. And we won't be able to afford to that. Listen, God reigns supreme. God is not tied to the stock market, stock market. God is not tied to the recession. By the way, listen to me. God's bigger than any one of your circumstances. And we've got to believe this, that yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. Can you say that? Thou art with me. Say it again. Thou art with me. And there's two things that he comforts me with. Thy rod and thy what, please? Staff. Each shepherd boy, from the time he first starts to tend his father's flock, takes a special pride in the selection of a rod and staff exactly suited to his own size and strength. He goes into the bush, selects a young sapling which is dug from the ground, then is carved and whittled down with great care and patience. The enlarged base of the sapling where the trunk joins the root is shaped into a smooth, rounded head of hard wood. The sapling itself is shaped to exactly fit the owner's hand. After he completes it, the shepherd boy spends hours practicing with this club, learning how to throw it with amazing speed and accuracy. It becomes his main weapon of defense For both himself and his sheep. The rod, in fact, was an extension of the owner's own right hand. It stood as a symbol of his strength, his power, his authority in any serious situation. The rod was what he relied on to safeguard both himself and his flock in danger. It was furthermore the instrument he used to discipline and correct any wayward sheep that insisted on wandering away. Listen, our God doesn't have to grow up and get a new stat, get a new rod each and every time. His right arm is his rod. Ladies and gentlemen, God's not going to let anything harm you while you're in the valley. Please know that. You say, but I, you don't understand. The death is coming. It's just a shadow. He's leading you through the valley with his right arm. And he knows exactly how to throw the right punch at the right time to get you out of that valley. And the only reason it's a valley is because there's two mountains on either side. That's it. That's it. All of us go through it. Some of us are in it. Many of you will be in it. But know this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me, thy rod. Th- there, there is not one thing that can happen to you in the valley that God is not bigger than, but we live in the fear of possibility rather than in the fact of of a probability that God will bring us out like he brought us out last time. Yeah. Were you in a valley before this? Was there something that kept you up at night before this subject? You made it, didn't you? Yeah. Why? God. Yeah. How else do you explain this but God? Yeah. Then also the staff. The shepherd's staff is normally a long slender stick, often with a crook or hook on the end. There are three areas of the sheep management in which the staff plays a most significant role. The first of these lies in the drawing sheep together into an intimate relationship. The shepherd will use his staff to gently lift a newborn lamb and bring it to its mother if they become parted. He does this because he does not wish to have the ewe reject her offspring if it bears the odor of his hand. The staff is used by the shepherd to reach out and catch individual sheep, young and old, and draw them close to himself for intimate examination. The staff is very useful this way for the shy and timid sheep normally tend to keep at a distance from the shepherd. The staff is also used for guiding the sheep. Please know this, your valley is meant for intimate time with your God. You will not know your God like you need to know your God unless you allow him to draw you closer. We're all gun-shy. We all have things in our life that, that, that there they, they, they they are triggers in our lives. And all of a sudden, you let a word be said. You let a fragrance be, be smelled. You let a situation start to happen. And all of us are like, oh, I've been there before. I don't want to go back there. Listen, just because you've been there before, that doesn't mean that's where you're going now. And there's a lot of people that all of a sudden go, nope, nope. I, I nope, I've already been there I've already been through that once I'm not going through that again and guess what they don't allow God to do They don't allow God to walk them through the darkness because this valley is different than that valley over there. And guess why? Because God taught you something in that valley, and God wants to teach you something in this valley, and God's going to teach you something in the next valley, and God's going to teach you something in the next valley. You know he's going to teach you? That he's strong enough to get you out of the valley. And in the valley is where you know him. You, You just take the songbook. Do you know what the majority of these songs are? People that were in a valley. And do you know why we love singing these? Because somebody was in a valley when they wrote these. And then somebody in the darkness started sitting down And they put their heart on paper, and you and I sing these each and every week. And you know what happens? It lifts us up. Where's the next composer as a Christian sitting in this auditorium? That God wants you in the valley to stop griping and complaining about where you're at and stop distancing yourself from the shepherd and let him take that staff and let him bring you closer In the valley. Show me who you are coming out of the valley, and I'll show you what you did with your time in the valley. If your time in the valley is spent on on pampering yourself and sucking your thumb and running to the world to help you forget, let me just help me forget over here, and the time in the valley is not spent with the shepherd, then you will come out of the valley bitter. But in the valley, there are three things I want to give you about the valley, if you will. First of all, you've not lost your value going through the valley. Just because you're in the valley doesn't mean you've lost your value. You're not less of a mama because you're in the valley. You're not less of a husband because you're going through a tough time right now. Your valley doesn't mean that's your value. And there's a lot of times when somebody starts going through the valley, they start second-guessing. Everything they are, everything they've done, and everything that they are, and this isn't fair. It's just a valley. But it doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It just means God wants to work on you. Oh, would you please know that? I feel like this morning I'm struggling a little bit, so I'm going to pray if that's okay. Heavenly Father, God, right now, Lord, I'm walking in mud. God, I recognize it right now. I see it right now. God, I ask that you would just do something. Because God, when that word tells us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that's exactly what it means. When that word tells us that when we walk through a valley that you are with us, Lord, that's exactly what it means. And Lord, I don't think it's right to take one more step without asking you for help. Lord, this whole thing may end tomorrow. But God, whatever is going on, God, whatever is the heartache, I pray that your people would exercise their will and they would believe you. Lord, this valley, it's real, but God, you're real. Lord, help us on this morning. Help me, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you and I walk through the valley, you don't lose, you do not lose your value. It may be dark, but you've not lost your value. I uh, asked for 220s, and I want to thank the person for giving me the 220s. I'm not quite sure you're going to get them back. We're going to let this 20 represent the mountain. We're going to let this 20 represent the valley. Question Did that 20 lose its value? Wait a minute, it has to. It's all crumpled up. Did it lose its value? Will that thing spend? How many would like to spend that thing right there? How many would say, Pastor, if if, if if you think there's no value there, kind of give it to me and I'll bring back its value. But you know how we live? My value is only if everything is ironed and straight in my life. And if my life ever, ever does that right there, that may not be valuable to people. <laughs> if it's not valuable to you, you're nuts, <laughs> You know what God wants to do? But He can't do that if you're not in His hand. Okay, I just want to make sure I knew where it went. And what happens is, is when you go to the valley, you drop your Bible. You drop your prayer time. You stay home from church. There are people watching me right now. Which camera am I on? Which camera? Which one? Help me. Far one? Zoom in right here. Zoom in right here. There are people right now watching me that are sitting at home that you're going through a valley and you decided not to come to church this morning because you are no longer this and you're afraid to meet your friends who are here. Can I tell you something? All of us are not this right now. And all of us need a shepherd we'll still be in church for another 15 minutes. And what happens is, is you start pulling back from everything that you and I need when the only thing that's necessary for you to think you're valuable is to be put in the master's hand. And then the master will show you the denomination and we'll show you, you still have value. Oh, my friend, listen to me. Just because you're going through a valley doesn't mean you're not valuable. Number two, the second thing I want to tell you is just because you're going through a valley valley doesn't mean you're vulnerable. It, it, it doesn't mean that, that now something bad is going to happen. Some of you are waiting on something bad to happen. If it's this dark right now, something bad's about to happen. You're not vulnerable. Here's why. Because you've got a God that is walking with you in the valley with his rod and his staff, and as long as you stick right close to God, stay close to God, no matter how dark it is, your God has not left you, and your God has not abandoned you. Some of you have broken relationships, distance relationships, and right now you feel so exposed and so vulnerable. It may be that way with relationships, but it is not that way with God. Oh, how in the world can you and I sit here and doubt God like that? You know how we do that? Because the world convinces us that as you're losing and losing and losing and nobody wants to be around you, that's not how God feels because God wants to be closer to you, not farther away. And if there is a distance between you and your God, God didn't do this. I was reading this story. The early American Indians had a unique practice of training young braves. On the night of boy's 13th birthday, after learning hunting, scouting, and fishing skills, he was put to one final test. He was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of the family and the tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken several miles away. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of a thick woods, and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. After what seemed like an eternity, dawn broke, and the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers, trees, and the outline of the path. Then to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It was his father. He had been there all night long. Don't, 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 don't you think for one second that you've been abandoned Maybe. because God's a God of the light. And when it's dark in your life, you're looking through Darkness to see a way out. When it's dark in your life, God's looking through light into your life. Dad, this is not the time to give up. Mama, this is not the time to give up. Sir, this is not the time. And please don't think your value is tied to your valley. Don't think you're vulnerable because you're in the valley. Because God is watching over you. And God has his bow armed. And God is ready with his rod to take on anything that's going to come against you. And and that's not a charismatic saying. That's a Bible saying. Yea, thy rod and thy staff, they what? Comfort me. Take great comfort. Take great comfort. Don't second-guess your life right now. Don't second-guess your journey right now. If you stepped out in faith and you said, this is what I know God wanted me to do, then there will be valleys. But please know this, the God that was there that made that heart pump to make that decision and excitement is the God that's in the middle of the valley right now. And that God's going to lead you out on the other side. The last thing I want to tell you is this. You will not experience a vacancy going through the valley. God will not at any time check out of your life. Brother Hicks, I don't know if you remember one of the first few years that you and the fam came to preach the revival, that your hotel room, was it like two years in a row that, that all of a sudden we found stuff, Right? And uh, one time we found a, a, a needle and a pillow, right? And then, sometime, one day, they opened this cabinet and there's drug paraphernalia up there. Y'all remember that? And I felt bad. You know, here is our evangelist coming in and we put him in a druggy hotel. <laughs> and I went to brother, brother Hicks and I said, Look, I am so sorry. Would you like to check out and get another place? And he was like, No, Brother Gray. Uh, We've, we've, you know, we've kind of cleaned it up. We got, we fixed it all, but Brother Hicks was like, no, I, w- we'll be fine. But I promise you the discussion was, what is this preacher doing with this church, putting us in a druggie? I know my testimony was, I came out of drugs, is this a test? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what was going, on. but I promise you that, that I, I felt bad, and I, and I was like, I went to the manager, and I said, look, this is a man of God, and he's staying. They're struck. What in the world? I was ready to check them out of this hotel and put them someplace else. God's not going to open the cabinet of your life, and he's not going to say, time to check out of this believer. But there are people who open your life every day and go, nope, I'm done with them. I'm done with them. Nope, nope, I don't want them anymore. Nope, I don't want them anymore. But ladies and gentlemen, we serve a God that never packs up and checks out and says, the condition of your life right now is too toxic for me. Can I just stand here and testify a little bit? Praise the Lord. How many can agree you get toxic at times? How many agree you're not on the best, you're not on your best game every once in a while? Keisha, God never checks out of your life. One of the greatest doctrines you can ever tell a new believer is once saved, always saved. Sealed until the day of Redemption. And that once he comes in to stay, he comes in to stay. I'll tell you one better than that, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is not one thing you're going through right now that God is like, oh, I, 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 I had like no idea you would respond that way. And I like had no idea that you were, had that kind of personality. Have you ever seen that side of somebody? We came at a bad time in their world. <laughs> Let me tell you, you don't shock God. Get mad. He's not shocked. Cry. He's not shocked. Say words you shouldn't say. He's not shocked. Because when he died on the old rugged cross, he knew all about you before he saved you. And he said, I still want them. He knew this valley was coming at this time. And it may be a shock to you, but it is not a shock to our God. And listen to this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, thou art with me. He was with you when he saved you. Oh, my friend. I think this morning I've, I've done the bidding of God. Now it's time for you just to believe in God. I feel sorry for people that they're snarky right now. I do. I feel sorry for cynical people right now. There are people that say, yeah, whatever, whatever. Well, the whatever Baptist church is just right down the road How about we be a church that we're like we're all going to go through it? Praise God we have a God that doesn't leave us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.